0: Spoilers ahead. Spoilers ahead. You have been warned. And
1: that makes 45. 45 ought to do it, don't you think? Do you think we need one more? You think we need one more? All right, we'll do one more. One more episode of Max Mike Movies! (laughs) this week as part of our what this again series we crack the case of oceans 11 we'll compare the 1960 version with its rat pack swank with the 2001 version that sways to the mellow tones of george clooney george clooney (laughs) in this cage match of heist films which will come out on top shark or jet Stay tuned, dear <laughs> listeners, and this is one episode you won't want to miss. Cue Batman theme.
0: Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> um, yeah.
1: now here is the head of the rats, that sultan of swing with a ring-a-ding-ding, and the king of bling, Max Living. Oh wait, look. Le- Levine. How you doing, baby? Right here. And I am your host, the dude with the snood that's never crude, Mike uh, Loose. Mostly rhymed (laughs) there. Very nice.
0: So yes, Ocean's Eleven's. Um, Hey, we, 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 by the way, are the hamster pack. (laughs) Hamster pack? (laughs) <laughs> yes, we. I don't think we're quite bad and badass enough to be a rat pack. So I think we're more of a hamster pack, possibly a gerbil I was pack. Vol. We're kind of volish. Vol pack. I like vole that. Vol pack. Yes, we are the the vol pack. Actually, that sounds like a D anD D character. Vol pack. The evil wizard. <laughs> I'll get you, adventurers. <laughs> uh, you know that actually is more fitting.
1: Vol pack. Buy it yeah. where you rent or shop. I don't know. Uh, so, uh, but in the meantime. If you want yeah. to touch us... Wait, wait. I mean, if you want to reach oh, out whoa, and touch... Whoa. No, wait, wait, wait. Oh, no! If you want to get in touch with us... No!
0: Oh, wait. That's not as <laughs> that's bad. That's a okay. yes. <laughs> I think that's the best we're going to get. Yeah.
1: yeah. So you should email us directly at us at maxmicmovies.com. You can find us on the Twitter and or the Facebook at the same place, which is, of course, Max Mike Movies. There is, of mm-hmm. course, our website with all our catalog of delicious goodness, which is MaxMikeMovies.com. you're seeing a trend here and uh, last but not least find we're not we're
0: not very imaginative not very no uh,
1: last but not least you've already found us but in case you haven't um i don't know how this would work but you can find our podcast on the podcast app of your choice be it google or apple mm. so the movies trivia right we're gonna start with the 1960 version actually you know what well, let's Swing just it be- let's just do the plot it's very simple the show so plot for both films a bunch of guys decide to rip off not one but many las vegas casinos because why the hell not or is it revenge to impress a
0: girl yes and many more yeah that's pretty much it that's the whole plot it's a caper movie it is a caper both of them it's two caper it's the same oh each one is a caper movie okay (laughs) it's toot toot two capers in one yes with Both ret- movies are about pickled nasturtium buds. With retzin. Mm-hmm. Um, so
1: trivia for 1960s mm. version, the budget was $3 million, and I'm going to guess that most of that went to the people in it. Mm. The take was $12 million, so that's about a four times over make of that's, money. So that's a success. That is a success, and I'm sure it had quite the impact. Um, in a twist that makes it sound like it would have made an interesting film on its own, one of the film stars, Sammy Javis Jr., found an interesting champion in Frank Sinatra. Sammy, although he performed at the hotels in Las Vegas, wasn't allowed to stay in the hotels in Las Vegas Mm. until Frank came around and um, showed them the error of his ways. And yes, that is Dr.
0: Sinatra, you little bimbo. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, Sinatra, say what else you want about Frank, and there's a lot to say. Oh, yeah. But he really, he w- he went to the casinos and he said, if you don't let Sammy stay here, you're never going to see me here again. I believe what he said was, if you don't let Sammy stay <laughs> here, I'm not going to play here again, or something like that. Um, uh, yeah, except why do you sound like Riff Raff from Underdog? <laughs>
1: Oh, there's all all sorts of cartoonish goodness going on in this movie. We'll get back to that. Um, Shirley MacLaine, who is uncredited Mm. in her little cameo, which is actually um, a bigger part than some other people had in the film, so she's really testing the bounds of that word cameo. Apparently she only did it because she wanted to hang around with her Rat Pack friends and see their shows, but she
0: was paid in a new car. car. Yep, that's right that was it that was her payment and she she said you don't even have to give me that I just want to hang out yeah and I gotta say
1: um, I haven't seen many films with Shirley MacLaine but in this she's actually delightful (laughs) she can be she can be really charming and really interesting and then there's the other Shirley MacLaine but we won't talk about that Mm. Um, Many of the actors were performing in Las Vegas at the time, so they tended to have to shoot very early in the morning because these folks would go do their shows, finish up at like 1 or 2 in the morning, then go shoot the movie, and then go to bed. Mm. Um, Apparently, it was also uh, a a practical joke um, to tell people that they needed to be on set when they didn't need to be on set. They did that (laughs) to... um, Uh, Julia Roberts in the new version too. It's like she she was shooting something else so her part was like they had to shoot her real quick but it's like isn't it funny to make her get in at five while we sleep into eleven? Har har! Um, That'll teach her to be the only woman in the movie. Yeah. Uh, The original (laughs) ending apparently had the group getting away with the money only to die as their chartered airplane crash. Um, Oh! Yeah, this was decided to be a little bit too dark um, so they changed it to the version they ended up with which we will talk
0: about later. Yeah. Um, and landing lots... the ending of both movies it's very interesting because they're completely different. Yes, and
1: we'll get to that. Mm. Lots lots more but now on to the 2001 yeah. version.
0: Mm. Budget
1: 85 million. We can also guess where that money went. To be <laughs> fair, to be fair the Mirage apparently opened its doors and so pretty much all of the scenes except for the vault that are shot in the Mirage are the Mirage. That's really rare, by the way. Casinos hate having anybody film in them. And they said they took up to twenty five percent of the casino at any given time. So wow. Yeah. The take was four hundred and fifty million. So okay. the ratio worldwide was actually a good deal better than the original film. Hmm. Mark Wahlberg was originally up for Matt Damon's role, but he decided to do Planet of the Apes instead. Oh
0: good good choice, Marky Mark.
1: Yeah. What? Um, no! I... <laughs> Why would anyone want to save Matt Damon? Um, the Wilson brothers, Owen and Luke, were originally supposed to play the brothers in this film, but they went on to do Royal Tenenbaums. See, Another... it's
0: too bad because the one thing those two are good at is being annoying, and those characters, the Malloy twins, are really annoying. You know, but I... I'm annoyed just
1: by Owen and Luke Wilson and I actually liked the way these Scott Kahn and Corey uh,
0: um, Affleck... Casey Casey Affleck, yes. Casey Affleck. Yeah, we we got a famous brother and a famous son. Well, then Casey went on to do um famous
1: things of his own some of which yeah, are yeah. not so nice and other which include an academy award but we'll get on yeah actually we won't come back to that um i liked them as brothers they're supposed to be twins um <laughs> obviously fraternal not identical uh, i don't even think they'd met before um yeah. anyway jo- don Cheadle went uncredited as he wanted oh, yeah. his credit to appear above the titles with uh clooney and pitt and matt damon and he said, if I can't be up there, then the hell with it. I don't want to be credited at all. For the follow-up films, which we will not get back to, uh, he was put above the title of the film. Mm. Bruce Willis was the original choice for Danny Ocean, would have made a very Ooh, different film. Very. And tons, tons more. Mm. But let's get to the movies.
0: The Lowdown.
1: So, Max, yeah. had you seen the 1960 version? I of had. Of any, I saw it years ago. Okay,
0: I've seen i seen both before. Mm-hmm.
1: What was your impression then, if you remember?
0: Honestly, then I thought it was boring. Okay, uh, and what is your impression now? I don't think it's as boring. <laughs> 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 oh, this movie is actually, to me, very complicated. As a movie, it's surprisingly dull. Very, very little. I mean, despite the fact that this is supposed to be a high-stress, dangerous caper. Not a lot of what happens is guys sitting around in hotel rooms talking and answering the phone.
1: Yeah, yeah. and sadly, a lot of them kind of look like each other. They're, they're, they're all yeah. wearing the same clothes, so I couldn't always tell them apart until <laughs> they, till they started talking. And it's like, oh, it's, oh, come on, should have just called it doughy white eleven yeah, well, you or could, something.
0: It was easy to tell Henry Silva for all your Silva needs. He has a very distinctive <laughs> face.
1: Yes, yes. But, um, I actually, one of my notes was the worst crime committed in this movie is that it was dull. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, just, and one of the other things I had was it's forty-five minutes into the film, and we as an audience still don't know what they're doing. Yeah,
0: we have no <laughs> idea what the pl- the plan. Again, this is I know we may not want to talk about the contrast yet, but one of the biggest contrasts is throughout the movie we really don't know what their plan is. It's sketched out very hazily. Right. Whereas with the modern one, we see every step of the way. We see the intricacies of the planning. We see what's involved. I thought that was a lot more interesting. Well, we got a lot of backstory on these characters. That was the other thing. we care a lot about. (laughs) We get nothing on these guys. We get a little bit on, like, maybe half of them. And then there's, like, okay, there's Mushy, some guy they call Mushy for some reason, (laughs) who I believe was Joey Bishop. Right. Like, I remember watching that and thinking, wait, I thought Joey Bishop was funny. You know, okay, I was going to
1: ask you, yeah. because I've only seen Joey Bishop a couple of things, and he seems to be the most dour sourpuss guy I'd ever seen. He was known as like, a
0: comic. He was apparently a very good stand-up. Some of his routines were pretty funny. but Really? Yeah, he just somehow he did not translate that well into film.
1: Yeah. Um, okay. Because, Yeah. yeah. Um right. Uh you're, I agree like we, we sort of know some of these people. It's more like oceans 5 and the rest. Yeah, League.
0: it's you know, pretty much there's the top ones. There's Frankie, Dino, Sammy, Peter Lawford, yeah. right? And I'm out. And well Henry right. Silva plays more of a character, but he's not that interesting. It's the big 4 which and those right. Frankie, Sammy and Dean were the leaders of the Rat Pack. P- right. Peter Lawford was sort of until well things went a little wrong.
1: Yeah, and apparently there was some... Like, apparently, uh, uh, up until this, uh, Sammy, Dean, and Frank had all had a big um, falling out, and they came back together to make this film. And, of course, then we're friends mm. for forever For a
0: number. long time. And a lot of that is because of Sinatra. And, look, Sinatra's a major entertainer. He's a major force in music. You can't ignore that, no matter what... It sounds like he was also a dyed-in-the-wool jackass. But he also... Yeah. He had... You know, real... He was probably manic-depressive, or what they now call bipolar. He even admitted that. You know, oh, he I went, thought he was just in the Mafia. <laughs> well, that he never admitted. But he was not in the Mafia. He just had a, he had a bunch of, you know... He was just near the Mafia. He was Mafia-adjacent. Yeah, you know, he was yeah. a big pal of Momoji and Carlo, who was a really nasty Mafia boss. Yeah. Um, not that there were any really cute and cuddly Mafia bosses. <laughs> he didn't last that long. That- but, but that's it,
1: not how you get things done.
0: Yeah, I mean, both uh, Sammy and Dean uh, served in the military. Frank was 4F, alleged partly because of a punctured eardrum, but also oh. because, as they put on his, his form, uh, the, the applicant's mental state is not congruent with the needs of the military. They basically were saying, this guy's got problems and we don't want him. The cuckoo, the cuckoo. Yeah, kind of again. That, huh.
1: Interesting. That's more. Th- there's more question about well, that. But see, I wondered too because you know it used to be if you watch the old Warner Brothers cartoons, whenever Frankie shows up, he's shown as this very sickly, skinny
0: guy. Oh, it's not sickly. Like he there's... was always very, very thin, and they always oh, talk no, no. About there's, that. there's
1: there's one I can't remember which um, mm. Warner Brothers cartoon it was, but he's actually wheeled in in a wheelchair. And he's still singing and oh, belting wow. and crooning, huh. but he's like they're—they're they're like. I think that he was the thinness was thought
0: of as being sickly oh. when he was much younger. But I don't know. He—I mean, his fans were literally fanatics. They would—they call them Sinatraks or something. Frankie. Yeah, that whole that old gag in the the Warner Brother cartoons when any when any time he would show up, all the females would swoon. That's not yeah. an exaggeration. He, he he had like Beatles level of yeah adoration. Him and I, Bing. Hmm? Yeah. him, and, him Bing. and Bing. Yeah, the old of course, roger. Now
1: what is Bing doing? He's looking up words and finding websites for you, isn't it? So? <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, it's nice <laughs> to see he's still working. Oh, and now he's Bing. <laughs> yep. You know. The, Bing. One of the other uh, the, the interesting contrasts is how Las Vegas is shown in both <laughs> movies. <laughs> Well, I believe it's the real
1: Las Vegas, but Las Vegas back then was very, very small.
0: Well, it was. You got to remember this film yeah. took place. It was writ, It was sorry released, and it took place in 1960. They actually say it's 15 years after the war, which was when they right. left in 1945. Las Vegas got going. Bugsy Siegel set it up in 1947. So- no, he didn't. <laughs> no, no, no. They don't. Nobody <laughs> even pretends that's not true. Yeah, for those of you who, who don't know the history, all five of you. Las Vegas was the creation of one of the most famous members of the well, former members of the Purple Flower Gang or Murder Incorporated the Jewish mafia Bugsy Siegel and excuse me Benjamin Siegel he got really pissed if you called him Bugsy he'll get and, you and he uh he had this vision he found this little podunk town called Las Vegas in the middle of the desert They were like population I'm not sure there was a population I think there was a couple of dogs and maybe a few people and he said out here, because of the way the laws were set up in the state, we got legalized gambling, we could have legalized prostitution. I I see a huge resort, and he built the Flamingo. And it and. was a gigantic success. Well, at the time, it was a huge overrun because he was kind of embezzling the money for it, and that's why Meyer Lansky had him killed. But it became a, a financial just phenomenon. It took time. But the amount of money that goes through Vegas is beyond calculating, and they've held on to those values to this day. <laughs> yes, they have. <laughs> I loved when they
1: tried to make it family friendly, oh. and everyone realized, uh, n- n- no, yeah, yeah. Her, her. <laughs> we want we want the horse back. <laughs> but uh, won't you
0: call and help bring the horse back to Las Vegas uh-uh. if you'd like them back? <laughs> So also the this crew the the Ocean's 11 in the first movie yeah. these guys are all war heroes. These guys were they uh, all fought no they all fought in World War 2 they all, they were they the, were 80, in they were in World War 2. They were in the 82nd Airborne.
1: And this brings me uh, brings up one of my questions mm-hmm. cuz I figured okay 45 it's 60 that's 15 years ago assuming most people that were in the war and it's not everybody but most people in the war were drafted between the ages of um, eighteen and twenty-three. Right. These guys are supposed to be in their late thirties. Yeah, really? Yeah, you do have to wonder uh, a little bit about that. That's... Maybe this was just that one unit that was older guys. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, but because yeah, I, I yeah okay.
0: Mm. <laughs> um,
1: I want to point out a couple things from the from the beginning. The opening has a very jazzy, fun opening. Mm. I, I like the animation and the music's kind of fun. Very sixties. And who is doing the music? Nelson Riddle. Nelson Riddle was actually the band leader, producer that teamed up with Frank Sinatra that actually re-jump-started his career. Yeah, in the 60s. Yeah, he had basically become, eh, we've heard him. Mm. You know, the crooner thing's over and Frank wasn't doing too well. He teamed up with Nelson Riddle and suddenly became a thing again. And this is probably one of the other things that helped make Frank become Frank again. Mm, Yeah. Frankie. He also did the music for the 1966 Batman TV show. That's
0: right. That's right. So, oh. <laughs> um,
1: one of Ocean's Eleven was, um, one of the lesser Eleven, as it were, yeah.
0: uh, was Norman Fell, yeah. otherwise known as Tough Guy Mr. Roper. <laughs> yeah, the only <laughs> things I ever saw him in were, of course, Three's Company as Mr. Roper, and he also plays Dustin Hoffman's landlord in The Graduate. He's a, oh, does he? Yeah, he's in like two, maybe three scenes. Oh, so he's getting typecast. Yeah, in yeah. But I, I do remember seeing his name in the credits and going, "Wait, really?" Yeah. And the, well, he's now
1: Audra Lindley, that's for sure. No, certainly not. <laughs> the song. Um, what do you think about the
0: songs?
1: Well, you mean the musical numbers yeah. for no particular reason except oh, that's right. Uh, a bunch of the people in this film are, are singers. Mm-hmm. Um, they're fine. <laughs> I don't know why they're there. They feel I mean, a little
0: shoehorned in. I mean, but obviously that's you know playing to their their fan base and the people who Although
1: Frankie doesn't sing. Yeah, he
0: does not <laughs> sing. It's Odd Dean has two a couple of songs or actually no he has the same song twice. He does kick in the yes. head. And Sammy yes. has that weird song EO11. Yeah, I, which cuz there's 11. Yeah, but them, EO right?
1: what what's EO? I uh, or well, it? Cap, it, it's a reference to Captain EO, oh, which will okay. be done later by Michael Jackson. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, I did like the fact that Dean Martin is playing in Las Vegas as Dean. Martin. Well, he's not. No. He's Freddie Martin. Although it's not even that's not even him. He's just playing at a club that happens to have somebody named Freddie Martin playing at it. <laughs> but he's doing "Kick in the Head," which is his theme, his theme song, basically. Mm, that was one of his biggies, um, yeah, yeah. So okay, whatever. And hey, speak of speaking of cameos, Red Skelton in a role oh. that will annoy you. What
0: was that doing there? Red Skelton playing a gambler who is referred to as Mr. Skelton. Who is playing the club because his name is on the the marquee.
1: Yeah. And then he's just... Annoying. It's like, hey, it, and, guess what? Red Skelton is a, a habitual gambler that can't keep hold of his own money so much that he has to swear people
0: not to cash his own checks. This, yeah, that that one, the one with Shirley MacLaine. There's a certain amount of tension because she's a distraction. She's like, oh, you got to get her out of here because uh, it's about the only tension in the movie. Yeah, there's really very little. And then, and then but the one with Skelton, you... hang on, let's go back stick with Skelton for a sec. That has serves no purpose. Nothing. No. It's just like. All I can figure is Red was walking by and said, "Hey Frank, can I be in the movie?" Yeah, okay. Yeah, and you know who else shows up in like one scene? George Raft. Yeah, I just didn't recognize him. I didn't but either. Guy... I had to look it up.
1: Yeah. Um. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Hi. Great. I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> the tension was Shirley McLean. They did. They made one big mistake. They got too close to the doors that um, Peter Lawford's trying to break into, mm-hmm. and you realize, oh. It's just chicken wire. Yeah. It's like, um, so if you don't get the key to work, you could just push it in. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Also, there's just some weird stuff that I really didn't understand. The opening shot, where do we go? Hairdressers for men. Mm -hmm. Which I guess was a thing. Yeah. But that was like, so I couldn't picture any of the Rat Pack going anywhere but a barber. Yeah. I just couldn't. And then, of course, we get to see Frank Sinatra in an orange Angora sweater, <laughs> which is also making me going, uh... uh um, uh, yes.
0: I don't understand. Brain hurt. <laughs> and that odd character who's the sort of... He's sort of the version, I guess, of Ruben in the uh, the later movie. <laughs> you mean Boris Badenov? Yeah, yes, the guy is Spiros Asibos, who is... You will help me get Moose and Squirrel! What? I, I He was... Ugh. I mean, he was clearly, I hello, I am here for the comic relief. Yeah, the guy Oh, bo- and to play great practical jokes on, aha, oh, my sides are splitting.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I remember
0: thinking, wow, why do you want to play practical jokes on a guy who could have you put in prison? Just, oh, he was just so, I mean, I, he wasn't Zero Mostel. No, but it was, was kind- Akim Taminov, who was actually Armenian, although he always apparently played Russians. But because that makes sense. Yeah, but he just like he doesn't add anything. He's just kind of annoying. I don't even know why he's there. Yeah, he's supposed to be the organizer. He's supposed to be the idea man. I think I the guess. implication is he's the one who came up with the idea for the heist. Well, except that then
1: Frankie makes off he, like he's the guy. Yeah, who's doing that's it.
0: yeah exactly. We don't get the. We have no idea what he's doing. Maybe he's financing them, but we don't I, know. No, and uh, don't care. Yeah. It's not that interesting. The less of him
1: on the screen, the better.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) I'd rather see Rocky and Bullwinkle.
0: honestly.
1: Uh, Every time he talked, and the dubbing in this film is incredibly bad. Oh, yeah.
0: Um,
1: And this is, to be fair, this is, you all have these problems up through the 70s. I uh, happen to own all of the James Bond films. They are notorious for horrible dubbing. Uh. Yeah. and this one is like you know I'm talking to you, and you can tell it's not in strange in in the same room as everyone else. Is the echoy and 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 my lips do not move the same way. It's terrible. Yeah. Um. And it's like I, what? Okay. I guess they couldn't do sound in the 60s. I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. think
0: that was it. And um, and the strange sort of subplot with one of the other characters. I think it's Vince, who has been in prison. He just gets out. His wife's oh, right, the left the heart attack. Yes, the guy. His wife's left him. He, yeah. he goes to, there's this ra- this rather uncomfortable scene where he goes to see his little boy who's now in military school. Talk about some bad dubbing. <laughs> wow, that, that actually re- kind of wrecked the scene because the kid's mouth is not moving in sync with what he's, t- how, how he's saying. And we're yes. supposed to feel, you know, that's supposed to be sort of the tragedy of the movie is he's doing this to get money and he finds out he's dying. This is not a spoiler, by the way. You find this out in the first 10 minutes. Yeah. That's and I, the the whole relationship between between Frank Sinatra or I'm sorry Danny Ocean and his wife, who's played by by Pepper the policewoman. I'm sorry, <laughs> Angie Dickinson, policewoman who is who also was one of the Rat Pack or at least a hanger on. She was supposed to yeah. be the one who gave them the nickname. Uh, but uh, what is that doing there? I mean, I don't know. What's the point? It adds nothing. I mean, we have in the sequel we have Danny's relationship with his ex-wife, but right. that actually ties into the story. It ties into the caper. It and it uh, works much better narratively. This is like, okay, we're going to stop the movie now, because and uh, Frank's going <laughs> to do. And Dean a, Dean's going to sing a song. Yeah, Dean's going <laughs> to sing, and you know, Frank's going to going to have some banter with uh, Angie Dickinson, which was I mean, it was cute. But, and we're gonna pause long enough to point out because somebody actually points it pointedly
1: looks at a painting on the wall that later shows up in the Russian guy's place. Oh, <laughs> so it's like it's the same painting oh twice and it's like, why are you doing this? So but yeah, we're gonna
0: stop the movie
1: yeah and and just
0: yeah I going, don't I don't get it either. One of the odd things is I thought one of the more interesting characters was Cesar Romero.
1: I guess that he's man. interesting, except his whole role is so unbelievable. Yeah. It's like, um, Mushy, I guess, it, not it's not Mushy, it's Jimmy. Jimmy's mom, yeah. who has all the money in the world, all the money in the world, <laughs> is going to marry a known gangster who has gone straight, ha mm. And he is only there to sort of confound Ocean's Eleven. Yeah. But not
0: really. But, but he's, I thought, the I was like, I want to know more about this guy. What did he used to do? What, was he in bootlegging? Was he uh, you know, a bank robber? What was he like? Because he, I thought, was a much more interesting character than any of them. Cause True. We he learn... actually
1: seemed to, have, yeah? he seemed to have a personality. Yeah,
0: none of the others do. None of them have any kind no. of past. Sammy Davis Jr.'s character is kind of interesting when you hear it, but it's, all his backstory is a very brief conversation with Henry Silva where he's talking about why he's working as a garbage man because he lost an eye and he can't uh, play baseball anymore. And even when he could, they wouldn't hire him. Right. Which, okay.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's so, it, it's a thing. I don't know what it has to do with the movie, yeah.
0: but uh, okay. Speaking of uh, the, the racial element... There is oh, the scene dear. in the garbage truck. Oh, here it comes. Yeah. I have it in my notes yeah, too. Yeah. Blackface ha. Now that's Cause... the thing. Were they putting mm. on There's a scene where Sammy is a garbage truck driver and he's driving my. three of the others out to the dump where they've hidden the money and they're all dressed in the gray jumpsuits that apparently Las Vegas garbage men wore. And the three of the three of them who are the other three were all white are putting shoe yeah. polish on their face. Now, was this because they were trying to was this blackface? Were they trying to look like black? Because a lot of the garbage drivers were black were were black, or was it just night camouflage? Well, let's put it this way: I think for the quote joke end
1: quote ha ha mm-hmm. ha, ha ha inside the cab yeah. it was meant to look like they were going to go blackface, yeah. but then later no no it's just camo. Except that it's
0: barely on them in the next scene. Yeah, so, it's amazing, and it's not hiding anything. Yeah. So although I have to say I do like. I, I thought Sammy's line is very funny when he's looking over at them, and they're putting it on, and he just starts laughing. And I go, what, "What's so funny?" He said, "I never thought this color would come in handy." Yeah, apparently they actually continued to rib him about that line for the rest of his career. Yeah. So. Oh, the, yeah. they used to—they uh, used to give him a lot of grief about that. They used yeah. to do a lot of racist jokes, and he took it. Be, but he, as he pointed out, yeah, but he wouldn't have had a career without Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra got him more gigs. He got. He, and Frank was fanatically loyal to him. Yeah. Sammy is, Sammy had a... Would, yeah, sorry. It's just, it's just a shame, that's yeah. all. Because, you know, he shouldn't have
1: needed any of that crap. He shouldn't he should have, have been fine on his own. It was a
0: thing of the times. I mean, Frank Sinatra, mm-hmm. he went out on a huge limb. And the studio told him not to do it. His agent told him not to do it. The father, That bastard Joseph Kennedy told him not to do it. But he was the best man at Frank at uh, Sammy Davis Jr.'s wedding when he married a white actress named Britt Eklund. Uh, I was going to ask if that's when he changed to Judaism, oh, but it no. wouldn't have been for Britt Eklund. Oh, no. No, he changed uh, to Judaism after he was in the car accident, and lost his eye. Oh, so when he, when he married her, he was already Jewish. He was already Jewish, yep. Oh, yeah, oh. I think she converted. I'm not sure. And I have to say visually he didn't just marry a white woman, he married the whitest woman you could possibly fi- <laughs> look up a picture of Brit Eklund she my she is the soul of whiteness it's amazing. I, I think she's from the White Mountains, I think so. <laughs> um
1: so speaking of, mm. of, of women uh, mm. in this film the few that there are, yeah, yeah. we have two and racism because mm. we have two parades going on, one is the misogyny parade <laughs> and the other one is the
0: racism parade. Yeah. Um the few women in this film are Yeah, Yeah, Um, they're barely people. I mean, they're just, they're very much cardboard cutouts. What what do we have? We have Peter Lawford's mother. Right. She's the one who has the closest to a personality. Although, Angie Dickinson, you get the feeling if she had had more than, you know, two scenes, she might have been more interesting. Well, we see her in the restaurant, basically
1: pining, going, "Well, he's brutish and dull, but I love him." Yeah, yeah, uh, you, huh? you
0: really—why? Why are you into this guy? And then there's yeah. Adele, who is just, you know, "Heh, I am the bitter, angry woman for some reason that we don't really have to explain." Yes,
1: and I'm going to make a phone call that will actually have absolutely no bearing on the plot, but boy, we're going to show it. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. He does a bit okay, where he okay. tr- yeah, tries to get him in trouble with his wife by saying, yes, yeah, you know, I'm here with your husband. Yeah, <laughs> and, and she's, so she's like, like whatever. Yeah, you think you're surprising me? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, I will say, of the Eleven, when he walks in... Dean has got that swab Yeah. of all of them. It's like, you know, I never really watched a Dean Martin movie. I'd seen him in appearances on things. You never saw any it's of like, the Matt Helm yeah. movies? No, yeah. I didn't. And it's like he walks in and, dude, he could be snapping his fingers or flipping the coin. I mean, he really just has that suave. Yeah, he, um, he, was,
0: he had the cool. He really did. He really did. He yeah. was very cool. The odd thing is they make such a thing out of his drinking. He was practically yeah. a teetotaler. Yeah, he didn't drink. He just went with the whole thing because
1: it was funny. Yeah. So give him, you know, a sense of humor. Obviously, mm. um, I will say that there are some some production problems in this film. Um, the whole opening of the movie, where it supposedly takes places in various, you know, locations like New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've seen that backlot before. Yeah, Hell, I've been on that backlot. It's like there has never been a car that's driven by here. There's nobody on the sidewalk. <laughs> there's nothing is worn down. It's just yeah, yeah it's you know. a backlot. Yeah. Um, then we have the magic infrared paint
0: Oh lord
1: <laughs> As seen at a fun house near you <laughs> um, It's just like was
0: anybody Buying this they, really Who knew I mean that's the other thing This is such a comparing to the, the new one The tech used here is So low It's that the, the most the fanciest thing They're using is the paint And
1: even weirder When they go to make so, Okay so in the original actually in both films There is a, a staged power outage of sorts so that all the lights in the casino go out i will say that in the original one they do it during new year's eve so they know people are smashed so that helps yeah admittedly all 50 of them um when they go into the cash cages which they have now they've they've cross-wired the the locks so that they will open when the lights go out mm-hmm. um Nobody has a gun. Yeah.
0: They just walk in with flashlights and
1: say, give me your money
0: and stand There's the no door, threat. And, every... and now stand here no. and sing "Old <laughs> Lang Syne at the top of your lungs along with the crowd. It's like, or I'll shine this light in your eyes and it'll really hurt. <laughs> and all the guys in the
1: cages are like, oh, okay. Do whatever like, he says. <laughs> There's nothing. Which leads to the fact that there is all the tension in this film of a Rice Krispie bar. Yeah,
0: there really isn't. That's there's
1: it. none. However... If you notice on the marquees, the film is now served with extra Buddy Hackett. I kept expecting
0: him to show up, even though I know he didn't. Uh, no, I, I, Speaking ugh. of with a blackout, <laughs> i got to tell you, the way they blackout Vegas in the first movie is way more realistic than the way they do it in the second one, but we'll get oh, to we'll that. Oh, we'll get to that.
1: Yes, we will. <laughs> yes, we will. Um,
0: you know, we mentioned earlier that it's. I, I checked
1: the clock, actually, and it was 45 minutes in, and we don't know. The, the movie just felt like, I, I don't want to get out of bed. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm going to snooze. There, it, it's like it kept hitting the snooze alarm. It's like,
0: um, I,
1: I don't need yeah. to know... I don't need to know any more about Jimmy's mother.
0: I don't need the to lack know about of effort is remarkable. They are really just walking through everything.
1: Yeah, and it's like, oh, we get to see Frankie and Dean and Sammy in a movie. I mean, I guess that's the only thing I can think of mm. because when we get to find anything out about the characters, we don't particularly like them. They aren't,
0: yeah, they aren't compelling. They're, no. They aren't. They aren't that interesting. Except again, I, I thought mean, then... for Sammy, I thought he was interesting, but yeah, vaguely. I mean, he sang. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: But it's like, we don't, the little we know, we don't dislike them. No. But we don't like them either. We don't even really know the motivation for stealing the money other than to steal the money, right? Yeah. It's just like, well, I guess we'll do this thing because we used to be army
0: buddies 15 years ago. Uh, okay. <laughs> what? Is, yeah, what is it, Frank Sinatra? The big line he has is, isn't, why shouldn't you know all these neat little tricks the army taught us? Why shouldn't we use them just cuz it's kind of peaceful right now?
1: Yeah, like, we should really? use them here on the for the allies. I uh, okay. Mm. I just did like I it's literally almost like these guys happened to be in Vegas so they set up a camera and filmed it. That,
0: well, apparently the history of the movie that's a little it's kind of close what it was. He said, "Hey, mm. you know, Frank said, "Look, I've got this script. I want all of you guys in it." We film it in Vegas. We do our shows. We hit the casinos. It's basically just going to be a gas. And and it's clearly, it's like, you can tell some of them are having a good time. They just don't feel the need to have to share it with us. (laughs) Apparently, it
1: was a lot of ad-libbing because they supposedly knew their characters so well. I think they're just themselves. There's no character there. Um, And, you know, we're, we're, we're bashing pretty hard on this. To be fair, I tried to think of this film in its context as best as I could because this predates both of us. Yeah. And it is entirely possible that this is exactly...
0: Well, I mean, it made back... Um, it made a lot of money. It's... It was a very successful movie. Cult- yes. That's why I was saying it's complicated because culturally this movie is fascinating because yes. this is the Rat Pack. This is all almost a whole bunch of them together in one place, the dynamic, the personalities. It's just them. The yeah. kid, he... Sinatra was the king of Las Vegas. He could do no wrong there. And you get the feeling... I, that was the thing I kept thinking. He's walking into the cage and going, give me the money. Oh, sure, Mr. Sinatra. Here you go. <laughs> Take whatever you want. Would you like yeah. us to
1: carry it to your car for you? Can I can I wrap that yeah. for you? Uh, yeah. I, and that's the thing is I... I, I I have this feeling that watching it now... I mean, basically, instead of saying this is a bad movie, because that's what I would have to do is say this is a bad movie, I would have to say that it doesn't hold up. Yeah. I think is fair. It has not aged I well. Th- I
0: think that's fair. No. I think for the time, I'm so. sure it was perfectly serviceable, but I think... And, and I, we, we really need to move to the uh, the newer one now yep. just for time. But I think this is the first one we've done where uh, we've had ones where the original was better. We've had ones where yep. we thought they were both good in different ways. This is one where I really think the sequel is, a super, is the remake is superior.
1: Yes. And speaking of that, so yeah. in 2001, yeah. they went after a film which was, you know, 40 years earlier mm. and decided to remake it. And again, we talked about this numerous times that there was this weird little heist renaissance going on in the late 90s early 2000s and i want to say that this was probably the biggest and best received of those films Well, it had the biggest cast this was a hell of a cast And there's no Rat Pack in 2000, but this is as close as you're going to get, not for the same reasons. Like, these aren't all Las Vegas performers, but there's some really big names going on here. We have Brad Pitt, we have George Clooney, we have Matt Damon, we have some people that are... We have Julia Roberts, who
0: was at the time the highest paid uh, film actress in the world. We, Did you hear what happened when Clooney sent her the script? Yes, he sent it to, with, a, with a 20 <laughs> She was getting $20 million a picture and he sent her the script with a $20 bill clip to it saying, I hear you're getting 20 a picture. You want to come <laughs> work? You want to come do this?
1: Yeah, and it's like yeah. you've got Matt Damon who is like really coming into his own at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got... Oh, dear gods, I'm forgetting. Elliot Gould, who is oh, a God. certainly tried-and-true actor. He was one
0: of the great... You've Carl friggin' Reiner, one of the gods of comedy. You had Andy Garcia. Who did a great job.
1: Mm. Andy Garcia's character. So he plays the mob boss that they're going after, the guy who owns the casinos. Mm. And if you somehow haven't seen this, because this is one of those films I think pretty much everyone's seen, Andy Garcia plays this character so well oh. because he is incredibly threatening and incredibly scary, but just not that bright. No.
0: And it still works. And obviously you still believe it. He, he's one of those people who thinks he's brilliant. Right. And, and that's a horrible combination, yeah. but he's obviously he's not um, completely stupid. He did create this empire, but yeah, he makes all every mistake he makes is one. They intended him to make. Right. Um, So
1: you've got this amazing cast, which works really well together. And apparently they did hang around a lot. Mm. Apparently they hung around Carl Reiner a lot because his stories were cracking him up left and right. Um, And Carl Reiner, too. I mean, a lot of people are probably like, who's
0: Carl Reiner? Oh, God. If you're saying, who's Carl Carl Reiner? I weep for
1: you. Well, not to be fair, he is not camera-facing nearly as much. He's a lot more behind the scenes. Mm. He's been a big comedy writer. Um, even like the first season or two of the Dick Van Dyke show, probably his best known project. He does not show his
0: face. I, I would, I would disagree with that. that. I think the, the thing he was best known for was working with Mel Brooks. I, I'd say for his own project, for
1: his own stuff, oh. that was probably his best known thing. Yeah. But yeah, he's he and Mel Brooks are still fast friends. I think they actually, if they don't live together. They live right they live near each right other, near, yeah. Yeah, and they see each other every day. They're both in their 90s. Yep. Um, but Carl Reiner is like pretty much the last of Golden Age of Television. Um, he goes back as far as I think the end of um, Vaudeville. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, Carl Carl Reiner, is, and he's also somehow is a giant of a man. He's huge. I, he's got. He's like <laughs> over six feet tall. Yeah. So whereas the first movie spends a lot of time on backstory of people we don't care about and of plot lines that don't necessarily have any bearing on the film. The film starts off letting us know not only who Danny Ocean is, but and the fact that he's a criminal. But because it's George Clooney, we already like him. Yeah, like it's Danny's cool. Danny's kind of the dean of this film, even though he's playing the Frank role. Yeah, he's the coolest. George has, he has that that thing that like George Clooney's cool.
0: There's never any sense that he feels out of control. He always you always feel he knows. And honestly. The odd part is, I don't know how he was friends with Brad Pitt in real life before this, but I find his, his Danny and Rusty's friendship is much more believable than Danny and Sam's in uh, the original. Right. They just... Yeah, because the only character
1: whose name came, came over was Danny Ocean. Yeah. Um, yeah, Danny and Rusty, you can tell that they've been through stuff, and <laughs> Rusty's like, I know you're half a point smarter than me, and it annoys me, but... We're still buds. Yeah, and this, and of course, the, the little throwaway scenes, which aren't throwaway because they're so funny, of Rusty teaching Topher Grace oh, and his God. other
0: teen pals to play cards. I, I, I was thinking that you know, the first one, the first, the original, it had its celebrity cameos. Yeah. This one, well, let's face it, the cameos are not terribly cele- celebrated because the ones at the no. poker game that Rusty, he's teaching all these like young actors. Like Holly Marie Combs and Topher Grace and Joshua Jackson, all these guys who, except for Topher Grace, really sort of disappeared. Yeah, and even Topher is not—he's not, He's not a major facing. star, no. But no, but he was in—he was just in Black Klansman. He was a major part in that, but he was also in—you know—the the worst of the Spider-Man movies. Yeah. Well. Anyway, yeah. So they they had their cameos too. But that can But that scene
1: does do something. It not only sets Rusty up. It gives us gives him motivation to want to go and risk going to jail because otherwise he's going to be doing something he absolutely hates. Yep. yep. Um, and we might as well address this right now since we're bringing up Rusty. Apparently, it was Brad Pitt's idea that Rusty should be eating something in every in, scene. in almost
0: every scene. He is not every yeah. scene I've noticed, but, I but attention pretty attention. And
1: time. it's always it's like a soda, it's shrimp cocktail, <laughs> it's whatever. It's just there's something in his hand and he's eating, mm-hmm. um, which is fun. Um, the, we get yes. to, well, we get to Ruben's place. So Ruben is, is the Boris bad enough of this film. And again, he's got motivation. Why would he finance this thing? You know, it's like he just got paid for his hotels, which is
0: fine, but that's not what he's obviously rich, him. but yeah. he hates, uh, uh, Andy Garcia's character, Terry Benedict. He hates him because he was destroyed. He destroyed, he bought out and destroyed his casino. Boom, motivation. That's the other thing. We get backstory on all 11 characters. We know them in the first 15 minutes of the movie. We learn about them. We understand who they are. And we're interested already. Some of them only get a couple of minutes. I mean, like Livingston, the electronics expert. We see that he's this, you know, nebbishy little, you know, highly strong, anxious guy. And he's, and that whole sequence is what, 30, 45 seconds? Yeah. And And you can... You can tell he's dying to just say i am surrounded by idiots." <laughs> yes it's like i am so much smarter than all you people and why can't you realize that you you know him and even bernie Mac as frank Catton, who is he's really, so good he's so good he's so likable and yet yeah. he can also with the sequence where they're buying the vans and he's basically <laughs> crushing the guy's hand in a handshake and intimidating him into lowering yep. the price and you go he's both really likable and really scary. <laughs> yeah, I, and it's too bad because Bernie Mac passed away not that
1: long yeah. after this film. And he does such a... He's not on screen that long, but he does such a good job. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get... Uh, we get basher. Oh, uh, I really liked Don Cheadle. Oh, even yeah. he admits his accent was. Um, <laughs> oh, that was a uh, sad
0: little Cockney accent. It was. Yeah, nice.
1: oh, not, I know. Oh, leave it out. Oh God. Lay, leave it. I can't even do it that yeah. badly. Sorry, can't do it. Which so, is a shame
0: because um, Don Cheadle is so good. Oh man.
1: Um, but you get Basher. You totally he too, it's like, oh, it'll be nice to be a w- proper villains yeah, again. Basher,
0: you know, does this because he loves doing it. He's really yeah. he's really good at it and he loves it. And again, that's all you need for him. And the, and as the an- ironic th-
1: as annoying as they are, I like the Moron twins. <laughs> We're not twins. <laughs> And the whole opening scene of them, it's like, well, you think you're hot because you have this cool truck. Well, I have a radio control truck that can beat your truck. And you can tell that these guys have been fighting with each other since they were born. Yeah, it's very
0: believable that they're those two brothers who never grew out of sibling rivalry.
1: Yeah. And again, they're they're annoying as hell, but I still like them. It's like, oh, he's a balloon boy.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the only one you don't learn much about is the amazing Yan. And, well he can cook. And the the thing of <laughs> course is the guy who played him, whose name I cannot I'm afraid I can't pronounce Kin yeah, yeah Kim Kin. He yeah. he wasn't an actor. He was actually no. one of the peak he was in the Peking acrobats.
1: Right. And that was the only thing that I thought that they really shorted him on, and that is when they first go to see him and Rusty's like, Oh, we we you know, we we need this guy, this type of guy and um uh, Danny is like, well, what's the list? And it's like, no, no, he is the list. We see him do one move. It's a pretty they impressive really, move. It is, but I wish they had just like given him about 30 seconds, yeah. a minute to, to really show some of those routines because not only can the actor, this guy do it, but those things are, would be much more convincing mm-hmm. than we see him do a flip on a pole, which is cool, yeah. but he should have been given that. A little I, more. Literally an, yeah, one or two yeah, other moves. It. That would have been nice. And that's... then when he gets his one English line is... <laughs> Where
0: the- <laughs> and you know that he, he learned it phonetically, but so what? It's funny. Yeah, and he does it well. And It's like, you in there? You want a magazine? And he flips Rusty the bird. Just, <laughs> eh. uh,
1: and then, of course, we get Matt Damon's character, Linus, yeah. who is who is a, a up-and-coming pickpocket who's not allowed to trade on his father's name, who's legendary. Mm-hmm. And they don't even know that it's this guy's son until George Clooney character Danny Ocean meets him in Chicago. And he is almost the sort of the stand-in for the audience. It's like he's got skills, but he hasn't been proven. So they're kind of ribbing him and sort of,
0: um, what's the word? Uh, hazing, hazing, yeah. Him. And a lot yeah. of these guys clearly have worked with each other before. And they know each yeah. other, and he is the new kid. That There's that wonderful scene at Saul's house, where, or not, uh, no, Ruben's house, yeah, where Ruben's Danny house. is you know, saying basically, you need, we need to know if you're in or not. If you're not, that's fine. Help yourself to as much food and drink as you want, and you know, have a good trip home. And everybody well, goes. Sitting on the he swings. doesn't go in. He just sitting. <laughs> no, he's sitting on the diving board, yeah. and he's just watching them go in. And Ruben <laughs> walks over to him and makes a little small talk. And he's like, hey, "Oh, you're from Chicago, oh, huh? Oh, you like it there? You, yeah, it's nice. Yeah, that's wonderful. Get in the goddamn house." <laughs> It's like, no, you don't get to make the decision. I'm making it for you. Go in there, little boy. Yeah, and you're he, the kid. And the thing, the re- moment you realize that Linus isn't an idiot is he does it. He says, okay, yep, you told me to. I'm going to do it. I don't know if it's that he's not an idiot. I think he's feels
1: intimidated yeah. and is like, dad will kill me if I don't. I, I think it's still like, I'm still feeling my, my oats, as it were. Um, and they, there's some there's some part of the film if you haven't seen it but um, I don't, I, it's a, it's an 18 year old film yeah. so but there's a twist in the film and Linus is the character who I think who's one of the only characters who doesn't know it's coming yeah. and when he finally sees it oh why couldn't you tell me yeah.
0: <laughs> it's like, well, where was, and, and Danny's explanation is what fun would that be. <laughs> so they they have the same heist but you know one of the things
1: they have to address and we've talked about this in other films and that is that technology has oh, you know boy. leaped and bounded away from oh we have a wire on the door and if the wire's broken the alarm goes off now we you know as they point out we have Pressure plates, and
0: we have vault,
1: infrared scanners. The
0: vault is 200 feet below ground level. Right. There's, you know, motion detectors. There's armed guards. There's every kind of surveillance you can imagine. It's an enormous it's an incredible undertaking, and we see almost, we see a lot of the details, and a lot of it, you go, wow, that's that's almost believable. There are a couple of and, things that are not, and I am sorry, uh, we have to talk right. about those. One of <laughs> one of them is a minor one when they knock out the two guards at the vault the, with the, with the hockey puck thing? what the hell was that yeah. there's no uh, it, it was a it was a batman 1966 that's much gas it, grenade it, the implication is it's making a kind son, of sonic attack because no gas on earth works that fast without killing you
1: well also really i'm sorry these two guards the other guys are at the end of a hall yeah, f- in an elevator door you slid a hockey puck there's no
0: way they wouldn't yeah, see or it or hear it Right. Yeah. So, anyway, that was just okay. that's a throwaway, and it doesn't ruin anything. The big no. thing, because they make a big <laughs> deal out of this. Originally, they're going to do this very clever thing with the power transformers to knock out the power to the city. Something goes well, they, wrong with that, so they decide they are going to steal a magic MacGuffin. They're basically going yeah. to steal a magic item called a pinch. Now, right. I did some research on this, and I did it when... There isn't one. Well, no, there is. The pinch exists. I actually, the first when I saw this movie, when it came out, I saw it with my friend Paul, and Paul is a science teacher. And as, I believe it was as we were walking out of the building, I said, Paul, is there such a thing as a pinch? And he goes, yes, there is. I said, could it knock out a city? He said, no, it could no. not. <laughs> he said, first of all, the pinch, there is a, uh, at one of the science labs around there. There is one. It's 200 feet wide and 20 feet high. (laughs) It's the size of a small building. And they say, yeah, it could maybe affect the electronics in the next room. Yeah. The only thing that can, at least, God, I hope, the only thing that can (laughs) generate an EMP that could knock out a city is a nuclear weapon. That's it. It,
1: And, you know, they could have left that, thing out. They could have just done whatever it was Basher was yeah. going to do. And I think that they wanted that scene which makes Linus look bad. And I understand that, mm. but they could have stolen something else. Like, oh, we need to get the plant. Oh, they've upgraded the electronics. We need to get the new
0: plant. Or they just wanted something like, hey, this sounds cool. Somebody read an article yeah. about it because theoretically yeah, you could create... That has been kind of, for the weapons industry and for uh, the military, that's kind of a holy grail because that would be... Right a really useful thing to do if you could knock out all the power in an enemy city. The other thing I remember thinking, there's this sort of joke where Basher is standing 10 feet from the pinch and he's slowly (laughs) covering his groin. If you stood that close to an EMP that could scramble a city, it would blow out your brain. It would scramble the electrochemical activity in your brain and you would... You would be gone. The other thing, one whoa. sorry, one more science. Well, wait, what?
1: that's that's why he turned
0: sideways. <laughs> oh well, there you go. That'll <laughs> that'll do it. That's like yeah, lie on the ground and cover yourself with wet newspaper. <laughs> uh, Duck and cover. cover. Yeah. The uh, the the other problem is even because he, he describes it as an electromagnetic pulse. Electromagnetic pulses do not temporarily disrupt things. If no. they actually had generated one, it would have permanently fried every piece of electronic equipment in the city. Yep, nothing would including work, including cell phones. Self, well, cell they, phones, they were, they computers, were. most cars. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. anyway, yeah. that part That's, that really bothers me in the movie because not because the hockey puck is a throwaway. It's like okay, fine, I'll give you that. I'll suspend disbelief. They make such a thing out of the pinch. However, yeah. I don't want I don't want to stick on that too much. The other the other thing is this movie where the other movie had several the original had several female characters underdeveloped though they were this movie has (laughs) one there's one woman and julia roberts does a nice job with the 11 or so lines she gets but she's apparently she she was filming she was doing it's very clear that it's like okay you got me for 10 minutes what do you need she does a fine job with what she does tess is an interesting character Again, yep. like Angie Dickinson's character, I don't really know why she goes back to him. Why she decides to? I understand why she oh. leaves Benedict, but why does she oh. go back to? Okay, I know he's George Clooney. It that you do not need another reason. Ah, okay, that's all.
1: I mean, you've got Andy Garcia. Andy Garcia, of course, is is very very cool, mm-hmm. but he is a mobster. Yeah, yeah, and he, and and kind of a jerk. I think I think what we got was we got that. As a an art historian, she basically got her dream job. Mm. She gets to curate this amazing collection of art, and it's all under her purview. And basically, Andy will buy her anything. Yeah. I should say Terry will buy her anything. Mm-hmm. And what all she gets from from Danny is actual affection with a lesser risk of danger. Well,
0: slightly, <laughs> I do like his the line where where he's talking to her. Does he? And he asks her about Benedict. Does he make you laugh? And she looks at him and says, He doesn't make me cry. And I think that pretty much explains it right there. And the thing is, though, their chemistry is so good. Yeah. Uh, But it's like the chemistry in the whole film
1: is really good. All of the characters, even the ones that don't get along, you know why they're there. Mm -hmm. You know why they stay there. Like the Linus character, Matt Damon's character... He, you can he plays it very well because Matt Damon does mostly like heroic roles and leading men roles And he spends a lot of time trying not to look at his shoes because his character is like I'm in with the big guys yeah. and this is my first time and I don't want to get in trouble And when up. he screws it up he you can when he does screw mm. up You can see he's just in there shaking and said yeah, I know I know I know and he's like I can't deal with the fact Yeah, I know I screwed up. I screwed up and, you know, for for that actor at that time, I think he does a, an ex, a, really an excellent job mm. not having to play his usual self, but you can still see why he's there. And now he really wants to prove himself yeah. because not only does he have to prove himself to his dad, he has to prove himself to these guys that he just screwed up and, of course,
0: the amazing Yan, whose hand he screwed up. So. And the scene where he's playing the guy from the Nevada Gaming Commission is <laughs> wonderful. It's both really tense but it's really funny and it's adorable and where he's he and Bernie Mac are playing off each other and Bernie Mac is acting like he's doing this because it's racially motivated he keeps calling him cracker and he's acting like he's terrified of of Bernie Mac And,
1: and, and then he just slips out that (laughs) barest (laughs) hint of the C word and it's enough, it is perfect it it, it allows Bernie Mac's character to launch himself, Frank
0: Caddy (laughs) and the way he when he yells, suddenly turns and yells cracker, oh my, oh dear lord (laughs) (laughs) it's so whitejack it's so good and it's so perfect because immediately everything he says makes Benedict just dismiss him more and more and it's what Danny says. You know, he's got to forget you exist. And you realize, you know, he does... Immediately, Benedict dislikes him because he seems weak. And he really... Right. Dis, obviously, he's one of those guys who despises weakness. One, oh, I, uh, One of the other character, One of the others I really wanted to talk about just quickly was Carl Reiner's character, Saul. The way he's yeah. introduced, it's just yep. that, that little thing where they're at the dog track in Florida. And he's sitting there in that horrible uh-huh. shirt. And Rusty walks up and doesn't even say anything. And Saul just goes, I saw you at the paddock before the second race. I saw you before you got up this morning. And it's like, (laughs) boom, those two lines, you know who Saul is. Saul is the wise old man. He's the guy who's been in this forever. And he knows everything. He knows all the tricks. And you suddenly go, that's why they want him. That's why they want this old man, because he's brilliant. And he is, when he plays the captain, Lehmann Zerga. (laughs) Zerga.
1: (laughs) I also love that point where it looks like he's not feeling well. I think what he's actually doing is I think he's actually testing the drug that he's going to use later on that's going to simulate his... And so what happens is Danny comes over and he's like... Are you up for this? And he gets oh, pissed. The line like, he does don't if
0: you ever ask me that again, Daniel, you will not wake <laughs> up the next morning. And he yeah. and Danny walks away from and mouths over at Deruben. He's ready. <laughs> it's so, so cool.
1: So we might as well wrap up, even yeah. though it's pretty obvious what's going on yeah. here. So it's night and day.
0: The roundup really is. The second one is so much better. Night and day. Mm. It's almost like first draft, second yeah. draft. This is Or almost
1: like, not even first draft. It's almost like idea and uh, finished script.
0: Especially for a modern audience. Again, if yeah. I, I'm not saying don't watch the original. If you want to for, for film history, absolutely. If you're into the Rat Pack, if you just want to see the way they work together, which is interesting, go ahead and watch that. Uh, I would recommend that over something Goofy like say Robin and the Seven Hoods mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, which oh. Should have been uh, Someday maybe we'll talk about that that's a movie that should Have no. been a lot better than it should, was No we uh. won't Hey, <laughs> um, at least Didn't have Jerry yeah. Lewis man. Oh, one thing um, I did notice that I thought was kind of interesting A contrast between the two In the first movie we don't know how much money Is involved we never know how much they Steal Millions. Yeah, a lot is pretty much in millions. In in the remake, we know to the the dollar. 163 yep. and some odd million dollars. I thought that was interesting. And honestly, that is the one thing I liked better in the original. I like the fact that it wasn't... We don't really know. We could just imagine that it's a fortune. Yeah. yeah but well, that's pretty much it.
1: Yeah. I mean... Same here. I'd never seen the original. Yeah. And so I thought, oh, it's going to be a fun classic movie. And I was just amazed at how boring it was mm-hmm. and how nothing is happening and how the heist, it's like, oh, this plan is going to be great. And it's like, what plan?
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, we're going to cut the power and then rewire the doors and then take the money. Mm-hmm. Oh, and we don't need guns because everyone's <laughs> going, going to, to point at people. For, yeah. yeah. Hey, I got a flashlight and I know how to use mm. it. Um, so, yeah. And the the 2001 Unfortunately, the 2001's major flaw for me is that there were two more. Oh yeah.
0: Oh. I did dear. not
1: see Ocean's Thirteen. I saw Ocean's Twelve and was very underwhelmed. Yeah. Was not, and I was so underwhelmed that I didn't bother seeing Thirteen. So I'm going to go out on my own little perch here and say there was only one remake, <laughs> Ocean's Eleven, and there was nothing after that. It never happened. Um, I got. Yeah, I got to tell you,
0: this year, 2018. Sorry, last year. They came out with another one, Oceans Eight,
1: which right, w- which I also again. I
0: saw that. That's actually kind of fun. It's not as good as the first, but there's a little of the same. There's a lot of the same kind of chemistry, and the characters are fun. The plot, the the the, the heist isn't quite as interesting. Uh, I would say it's. I thought it was fun. I would see. I'd, I'd recommend that one. That was one where it was all women. All the time. Yes, although there are a couple of cameos from characters from the 2001 movie.
1: Oh, okay. I just... I am all for more women in anything. For directing, for filming, for any job. I just hate it when they use it as a gimmick. That's what bothers me. It's like, oh, we're going to remake the Ghostbusters with women! And it's like, why don't you just do a Ghostbusters-type movie, the characters happen to be women and stop making this big... We're remaking the exact same thing with women. Make them their own characters. Yeah, it has the, an
0: uncomfortable sort of callback to the 70s black exploitation movies. Like, here's Dracula, yeah. but he's black. Here's the wolfman, yeah. but he's black.
1: And it's like, it just doesn't feel fair, you know? It's like, they should... The female characters should have the same opportunities as the men's, but they shouldn't just be the men character being played by women. It's like, give them the same attention, give them the same time, develop them the same way. And th- that's what we want. We don't want with women. You know, it's like, we want well, good stories. We want good films with that happen to have women. Characters well, this might make it. a good like,
0: series. We could talk another for another time. dude. <laughs> we'll just
1: call it with women. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, speaking of another series, we have another uh, episode of this coming up next week. What, pray tell,
0: are we going to be watching next week? Next week, we're going to go from the uh, heist movies and the uh, sort of thriller movies to old science fiction. We're going to be doing... Old science fiction. How old is it? Yes, we're going back to the Tom Swift books. We're going to read (laughs) Tom Swift and his electric bicycle. Nope, we're we're going to see the 1951... Invasion of the Body Snatchers and the 1978 remake, with Elliot, Ooh. with uh, Donald Sutherland and Leonard Nimoy as Mr. Spock. <laughs> no, yes, he, he is. Mr. Spock shows up in California and deals with body snatchers.
1: So, if you want to avoid Mr. Spock. <laughs> No, there's no Mr. (laughs) Spock. No, Uh, very interesting choice for those who hasn't haven't seen them. I'm actually surprised they haven't re remade Invasion of the. They have. They did one with Nicole Kidman
0: and Daniel Craig a few years ago. They just called it the invasion. Really? Oh, Mm -hmm.
1: I missed that one. And we're not going to watch that. No, we're not. Oh, have you seen it? I uh, Yes, I have. No, we're not. And? Ah, okay. So next week we are doing the 1950s Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which may or may not have any sort of substec- subtext with the Cold War. Nonsense. And, and then we will watch the 1970s, which definitely has no uh, subtext with the Cold War. Yeah, it's got uh, other subtext, of body though. Snatchers. Yes, yeah. it does. But... Until that point, I may or may not be a pod person.
0: Yeah, and I'm chairman of the board, sweetie. Swing, baby. This has been a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench. Uh Uh-oh, what? What? You cut out. Oh, can you hear me? <laughs> Uh-oh. Oh, no. Uh-oh. Okay. Uh, can... uh, Hello? Are you there? Uh, I'm here. You cut out. Can you hear me now, though? <laughs> All right, well, you're going to have to cut <laughs> yes, that part I out. <laughs> I, I think it's okay because yeah. I think I recorded my part. We'll just cut this middle part out. So uh, Hey, folks, there's another blooper for no? you. <laughs> okay, Pause.